Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where did you come from? My name is David Gorman and I'm from the posh part of Kulak. Is Green Castle posh? posh? <laughs> it's as posh as cool like it. I have to say, I do agree with you because my friend's from Ferry Carrick. Lovely, lovely. And that, and that was posh. She had like, um, you know, the soda stream machine. Yeah, yeah, Growing yeah, up, yeah. like, so I used to have one just for that. Wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I remember her for. I'm still friends with her today, though, so yeah, yeah. she'll know who she is. Come here, David. Um, you posted a video on your Instagram, and I don't know how I came across it. And then I reached out to the lovely Ruth Dan, and I asked her, do you think? And she says, yeah, just get in touch with them. So I got in touch with you. So do you want to explain what the video was and why you posted it? Well, the one that went viral, it was like a before and after picture of me uh, when I was in my addiction and then when I was nine months sober. And I literally just put that up on my Instagram just because I know a few lads in Kulak that are going through the same thing I was going through. And I was basically just showing them, look, you're not alone. I was putting myself out there so they would probably be more, won't be more afraid and just come out themselves. But then I'm like, I wasn't expecting it. To go from people from Albania getting on to me, like it just went viral after I put up on Twitter. I don't even use Twitter, I was just literally had coronavirus <laughs> and I was bored out of the head, so I just I put on my Twitter, went to sleep, woke up, and it just blew up. And I literally just done it for lads and cool, like, yeah. And now, like, I'm still to this day now I'm talking to fellas from Wales on the phone and people from Albania, Romania, and yeah, just crazy, crazy. And then just when I seen like the reaction I got from that. I was like, well, I'll just keep going, like it's helping people. And then that's when I just start making little video, one or two videos. So take it back to the very beginning then. Um, growing up in Kulak, what was it like? Uh, we had a great childhood. Like all we done from morning to night was just football, football, football. Like football was my entire life. Going around doing knickknacks, throwing bangers in letterboxes. <laughs> just the usual, but I haven't got a bad word saying about growing up. It's just literally, I had the time in my life. It was a great childhood. And then where did it start going wrong for you? Just I got uh, I got injured playing football. Like football, like everybody I know is true football. It's just me whole life. I couldn't walk anywhere without football. And I got injured. It was my first time ever getting badly injured. So I didn't know what the story was. And so I wrapped my knee up. I went back playing four months later and my knee went again. So that's when I went and I got an MRI and I had torn my ACL, my MCL and a cartilage in my knee. So I start going because I couldn't play football anymore. Like I just completely lost my identity. Like I did not know who I was, and I know I wasn't going to be playing in the Premier League or anything like that. But if I could play football until I was fifty years of age with my mates, I was happy with that. So I basically just did not know what to do. I had no other hobbies. So I'd go to the gym on and off, but the gym doesn't do for me what football did. You know, football was my life. So I start going out more, and then 
we were doing like coke when you're going out on the weekends and then i remember just as we was getting this insurance off the that we were insured by by the club but then i got offered did i want to move to denmark to walk over in denmark so i said yeah and then a young flick going abroad for the first time you're you're living in a house with other young flicks. you have no family there was making more money than i ever made and that's when i just went absolutely crazy you know Take it back to me for a second when you said that you lost your identity. Yeah. So you were involved in clubs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I was playing football for the club since I was five years of age. Like, I think I was with Clumans for 10 years and in that 10 years I missed one match for them and that's because I went to Finland on holidays with me man. And I was still crying my eyes out when I was in Finland because I wanted to play yeah. that match. So it was just football, it was just my entire life, like it really was. Like. And then when you, you said you lost your identity, like, the the injury like with the injury do you put on painkillers were you like how how no not even it wasn't it wasn't put on and it was just like I knew I couldn't play like even to this day my knee is still in bits like I'm waiting on an operation now but it was just like I just lived for like I'd go train on Tuesday I'd go train and on the Thursday have the match on the Saturday like I'd go to the bookies with the lads before the match we'd get our chicken wrap we'd play our match after the match we'd go to the pub talk about how the match went and I just that's all I loved doing like and I would have been decent enough at football so mm. you know people are praising you and I just like I, I don't know I just I lost a big part of my life when I couldn't play football anymore and I just did not know what to do I, I really did not know who I was anymore when I couldn't play football anymore and were you, obviously were you lonely then it oh, I went into a very bad depression like real bad depression and that's what like inevitably led to the drug use or uh, even thinking about it now and getting goosebumps like I, mean, I, I do miss football so much like for like I found other things to replace it but yeah, it was just there. Uh, that was a heavy old time, like very, very heavy time, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you wouldn't even, as uh, maybe as a woman, maybe a man think about. I wouldn't even think about. Like God, he's not going to football anymore. He's your man must be worried about you as well. Then was she? I uh, worried sickly. Like, see, even when I was growing up, like my dad would have been my football manager. He's football mad. My whole family's football mad. And like I said, everybody that I knew, like every single friend I'd made, it's just football, football, football. Like a few lads that I used to play against now, like they're over playing in the Premier League and everything now, like big names. And yeah, it was just literally just did not know what to do when I come play football anymore. Like, so then you start going out on weekends, and then immediately is you're like, okay, yeah, coke is that normal thing that cokes around or? These days, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's like I don't even think people go to the toilet in pubs anymore. I think they go in just to do coke. Like mm. it's absolutely, it's the biggest pandemic going on at the minute. Drug use is, but I, I don't, I can't even remember the first time I done it. Like I really don't. I just remember I was going out on the weekends and I'd do it like on a Saturday when I was going out. Then I remember then that went to I'd do it on the Friday and the Saturday when I went out. And then just when I did move away, eventually, like, I was doing it probably Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then it just turned into a everyday thing, like... And before you went to Denmark, was it a problem or not a problem, was it? Like- it was turning into a problem, definitely, but moving to Denmark just multiplied it by loads, because, like, when I moved away, I was with these lads, they were the same age as me, like I said, no matter that around, I was making crazy, like, I was making decent money, and I sort of was, I still sort of depressed because I remember they had a little football team going on over there and they're like, do you want to play and all? It's like, oh, I can't me knee. And they're just like, oh yeah, everybody says that. And it's just like, if you fucking knew how good I was, you mm, pass yeah, <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just went absolutely like, like that, that's 
that's when I went very bad, and then for the next four years, just continued on the exact same road. You How know? old were you in Denmark? I was about, I think, I was twenty five, twenty four. And like, did you have a conversation with your mates, say, oh, "I'm going over here," or you know? Ah, uh, they were like, "Oh, lovely, he's going working abroad." Like this yeah. is, and like, so they didn't find out. So I was in Denmark for a year, and then. After the year, that's when I had to tell me, man, saying, here, look, I have a big problem here, you know? Like, they didn't have a clue that while I was over there. But, like, oh, I was, I was coming home, you work for three weeks, you get home for a week, and I was coming home, like, every month, and I was blocked, the usual, and they were just, like, just thought I was sick. Like, they, like me doing coke all the time, that would not be expected from me at all. Like, it's a completely out of character thing, you know? So they, they didn't expect it, like, suspect the thing. You know? Yeah, because obviously you had... Such a healthy lifestyle. Just a complete athlete yeah. my whole life, you know. So it was a huge shock for them. Like even that's like I was terrified to tell her, but like, yeah, I got like desperate. Like, like I was spending on average like for the whole year like six hundred euro a week on coke, like for the entire year. So it's crazy, like. And so take it back there again. Yeah. Um, so you go over to Denmark. You're doing that, and you said you start getting really bad. So what does really bad look like? Just doing, doing it every day. But, like, I, I wouldn't do it in work. I'd only do it after work. Like, the amount of times, like, I went to work, like, five days, six days in a row with no sleep. Like, that was just, like, a normal thing. Like, I didn't care if I had money for, like, I would get me lunch today. It's like, like, fuck the lunch. Like, once I have a bit of coke there, it's grand. Like, just, I was completely just devoted to just cocaine. And it's just crazy. Like, just, when I was over there, like, there's loads of times that goes like, oh, geez, I'm at my worst here. And I was nowhere close to being at my worst. Like, things got, like, a lot worse very quickly. It's just crazy. But that was what did, that was the big point that I went, I just went, I was basically just doing it every day. Every bit of money I had, like, went to Denmark for a year, came home, absolutely nothing to show for it except the cocaine addiction, you know. So. And is the people around you in the same position as you? Over there, they're... I don't think there was anybody as heavy as me on it over there, but like, see, when, when I was over there, there was a fella that was selling it. He was a Danish fella, and I only found out there a while ago what he was doing with the cocaine. Is like people mix cocaine with like, they, they mix with other stuff, but he was mixing his with speed. So it was fucking like sending you mad, like sending you crazy. So I was doing that, and like, there's no, no sleep and no nothing, but. There was a few lads, like, see, people think as well when they go walking abroad, like, if you were, like, drinking a bit too much or something, you think, right, I'll go over here, I'll be able to sort my head out and all, and it does not, that, if anything, you're going to make yourself worse going walking abroad. You're over there, you're making mad money, you're away from your family, and you're with a load of lunatics from Ireland mm. living in the same place, you know, so, yeah, I wouldn't advise anyone, if they have a problem to go walking abroad, I'd try to get yourself sorted before you went over. There you go. Yeah, 100%. And then you're coming home, as you said, and you said, like, to me, dear, and I've said this loads of times to people, like, the norm that you know is blocked, I wouldn't know what, what the norm is. Um, so your ma comes home, your ma's looking at you, she's worried about you, saying, oh, have you got a cold again? And then at what point do you go back? And when you're home, do you want to tell her, dear, when you're home? Or how did you tell her, ma'am, I'm in serious trouble here? So I only, I only told me ma uh, about it when I finished up in Denmark. Because obviously the money I was making over there, when I came home, I was wasn't making anything near that and the bills were starting to go up so it was just desperate it was like nobody like the lad even the lads that i was walking with like they they'd be like jeez almost flat out on the coke like but they wouldn't be like jesus he has a bad problem they just thought it was like i just loved doing it but it was like i physically and mentally had to do it like so i told me ma when i got home after denmark because remember i was supposed to go to foss 
So I went from getting like 700 euro a week or whatever it was to going to FOSS to getting 120 a week. And I was like, I have to get out of FOSS. Like, I, I owe so much money out. I can't do this. So that's when I just said, told me, man. And like she did, she helped me out big time. And even though like I went on for like another three or four years, like she always like stuck by my side. Like she never, she never gave up. So I was blessed to have her in my life, you know. And three or four years, like, so... Like Carl, when he he sat down and spoke with me, like he was like he was crying into a bag of coke. He was like, "I don't want to do this." He was like, "But I have to do it to yeah. keep me going." Like I look, like, like I got to the stage, like I wasn't getting a buzz off down it. Like it was like, but I had to do it. Like I can remember going meeting people, and let's say they're, they're ten minutes away from my house, and I'd go meet them, get the bag, and like my house would be like ten minutes away, and I'd have to run behind the tree and do a sniff before I got home, and it was only a ten minute walk, just had to get it into me and there was no there's no like at the start obviously i get a buzz out of it but then there was there's no buzz at all it's just like you have to do it and like i can, I can be down and i'm just like why are you doing this and it's crazy you just can't stop but like like even when i was in denmark and i was like like i was in a long-term relationship i was with someone for eight years and i remember just saying like i have to let her go like i am either gonna die or i'm gonna kill myself and because I like I thought I was at rock bottom and I was nowhere near it. Like I went so much lower. It's absolutely crazy. Cause then after I left Foss, I got a different job and I got an, a night shift job. So I was doing I was doing coke on the nights and then I'd finish up at eight in the morning and there was one lad who he started work at nine. So I'd meet him before he went to work at nine. I'd get coke off him. I'd do that when I went home. I'd be up all night. Me and another fella before I went back and done the night shift. So the guy was gone like six, seven days with no sleep, no food, just water. It's just, ah, it's just absolute, just madness. Just what does that do to your body? Ah, oh, sure. I, I went down to like I'm seventy five kg now. I was at fifty five kg when I was at my worst. Like, uh, it's more your, it's more yeah, your body is destroyed. But it's, it's crazy what your body like, what you can put your body through, and you can keep going, but. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I know for a fact. Like I should be dead. Like I definitely should be dead. I don't, I don't know why I'm still alive. It's just what I was doing. Like, uh, it's, it's just madness. But just what it do, does for your mind, like as well. Because, like, like I, I used to, I said it before. Like, I used to cycle around my area, and I'd be looking like, oh, where would be a good place to kill myself? Stuff like that. I try keep enough money just so I would have money to get a haircut. Just like I said, if I did die that day or whatever, I'd look nice in the coffin for my family. Uh, the motorway we just drove across, that was where my job was. I used to just cycle up there, just leave my bike group and just sit now on the, the rails there on the motorway and just look at all the cars going by. And just, ah, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. It's just, yeah, it's heavy stuff, heavy stuff. Like, and I don't know. It's just, yeah. And when you're in that moment, and like, do you feel there's no way out? Yeah, you really do. Like all I honestly, all I wanted to do was die. That's all I wanted to do. But look, I, 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 look, I don't know if I was afraid. Look, I wouldn't say I was afraid to kill myself. I, I, I don't know why I didn't do it. But there, there was always sort of like a little point five percent chance in me that I was like, like you're gonna get past this. You're gonna get past this. Loads of times now I didn't feel it, but I always sort of knew that it wouldn't be like this forever. But it's a uh, yeah, look, I just wouldn't wish what's going through with anyone, and it's horrible just knowing that there is people out there that are going through the same thing. And yeah, it's just very, very hard times. So that's why, like, like I know, like, I have to work on my recovery every single day now. But I know I will never, ever, ever go back to that. Like, there's, like, I know I can't take my eyes off the prize, but mm. I never want to put myself through that, or my family, or my friends through that ever again. It's just uh, crazy, yeah. 
Because it's the stuff, I think, like, you know, when we're people talking, even when I'm talking to friends, like, you know, and you're saying, how could, how is he putting his ma through that? Then his ma, or, you know, me, me, my own ma say to me, oh, such and such had a knock on the door and yeah. there was three fellas at the door demanding a grand offer and she had to go to credit union and get it. And, and, and I'd be very honest with you, and I've said this before, I'd be like, the selfish boss, how, how can they do that yeah, to exactly, that ma's? Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, it's like you are just like, you're completely powerless over it. And like, I, I remember even people saying, like, saying to one of my friends and all, saying, how are you letting him do that to himself? And he's like, I cannot stop him. Like, and mm. nobody can really save you. Like, you honestly have to do it yourself. Like, it's alone, you have to do it, but you can't do it alone, is a quote that I heard, you know. But, like, I remember even, like, in the early stages, like, family members were saying, look what you're doing to your man, look what you're doing to your man. But then the more they start understanding, it was just like, I wasn't doing it to haunt me ma I was just I had no control over it whatsoever like like I'm doing something that's making me stay awake for six days and not eat who's gonna do that on purpose mm. like, what enjoyment mm. am I getting out of that you know just completely consumed my entire life like I didn't I wouldn't even drink like I probably drank probably about four times in five years all I done was just dry sniffed that's all I ever done like so I was just yeah it's absolute madness what addiction can do to you, like, and yeah, I just experienced it full blown, like. And you said there that your ma understood, like, so your ma was probably one of your biggest supporters, wasn't ah, she? Ah, she, and she still is to this day, my ma's my best friend, like, you know, like, she's 65, but she's one of the lads, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, ah, she's done everything for me, like, she bailed me out big time, like, like, in the four years, like, that I went through the addiction, like, I, like, I had to pay out over, like, probably about 80,000 euro, like. Like, yeah, like what I, I didn't owe the 80,000 out in the one goal. I think the most I owed out in one goal is like 30 grand. And yeah, what's that do to you? Does that not terrify you? It's, see, so the way it worked was I got paid by the month, so I'd be doing the coke during the month at the end of the month, give out whatever money you could do, then you're getting everything on tick for the next month, pay out everything then. So it's just like that cycle. So even when I got sober, like for a good six months, like my whole wages were just like. Like, in them four years, like, I couldn't afford a pair of socks. So I couldn't go to the pictures of one. I could, if I wanted a Domino's pizza, I couldn't get a Domino's pizza. Like, literally, for four years, I could not do anything, anything. And thank God, I'm definitely now. Thank God. Like, it's lovely being able to just walk into Northside today and got this tracksuit. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But I just had no life. Like, I literally, I didn't leave my bedroom and I'd go to work. And the reason I went to work, because I was getting in work, and that's the only reason that was getting me to go to oh, work. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you can it's you can get it anywhere. Like, you can mm. get a bag of Coke quicker than you can get a Chinese to live at your house now. You know, that's just the way it is. It's it's mental. It's mad because I was in, um, I was somewhere, I won't say where, I was somewhere the other day, and um, a woman older than me, she was, she was older than me, and she said to me that um, she's a heavy weekend, and she was like, it's on the Coke and all, like, you know, and I was like, what? And I hate that. Like, I don't want people, and I say to people, I never judge people. Like, I never judge, I just am the person that if I did something, I die. That's my, that's my brain. That if I was to do an E, I die. I always thought that my dad battered that. He'd say, oh, Becky, you're going to die if you do that. Yeah, like that. Yeah. So that's, that was my thing. So I don't judge anyone. But I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like, she was a good few years older than me. And she was like, yeah, she's like, I have to get off it. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, she's like, I'm very bad on it. And I did think it was a young man's drug. Now, see, look, I don't know the statistics on it and all, but it's everywhere that I look, I see it. Especially when I was walking abroad, like, it's... Even in Denmark and in Sweden, when I had to get back to Sweden, it's it's just rampant everywhere. If you go into town, you go into a nightclub, everybody is doing it. Like, uh, 
it's crazy like and i know people that like oh we only do it on the weekend it's like if you can't go out and have a drink without doing that like you have a problem mm. i was doing it every day but i know my problem was probably a bit more extreme than yours but you still have a problem like it's crazy like if you can't go out without getting a bag well then you have a problem no you problem. really do yeah so talk to me about your turning point when you hit rock bottom. What does rock bottom look like for you, if you don't mind me asking? No, yeah, well, I, I don't believe in a rock bottom. I believe you can always go lower. But when I stopped, so I remember in the final week when I gave it up, I was going through a drug, uh, drug-induced psychosis. So I was seeing things and I was hearing things. Uh, I, I, I swear to I literally, I'd say I probably had a week left to live. Like, I really did. Like, everything was just, like, it was like everything was just slowing down and everything was in slow motion. I could feel my body shutting down. It was weird, and I I went on a uh, so I went on the coke on a Tuesday morning, and I finished up on the Friday night, and then that Saturday morning when I woke up, like I just remember going downstairs and I was in the bathroom and I was just looking at myself in the mirror and I was just crying, and but like that was nothing out of the ordinary. So that's why I'm always just saying to myself, like like what, what, I don't know what it was about that day because I, I cried looking at myself loads of times, saying like what are you after doing, what are you after doing, but. I don't know, I think things just got, like I was about, I think just I knew I was going to die and I didn't want to put my family through that. I didn't care, I really didn't care about myself, but I just didn't, I wanted to do that to my family. So I think, I think, yeah, like because I knew I was going to die, I, I think that was my turning point. I know hopefully that doesn't have to be someone else's turning mm. point. Hopefully they can stop a lot sooner than that. Mm. But yeah, I was, I was definitely uh, very close to death in any way. Like, so where's the switch? What switches? And how and how do you how do you? So I, I start there, uh, like as quick as I was like I basically I was devoted to self destruction, and so I just start saying, look here, you either want to live or you either want to die. But like I said, these are things that I kept saying to myself. It was just that day, wherever wherever it was. So I just started listening to podcasts. I was listening to David Goggins, Jocko Wilnick. Uh, there's actually a podcast, Dak Shepherd, Armchair Expert, I think you would love it, but mm. he's an ex-addict that was listening, just all I was doing was putting positive things into my ears, and I was looking up, like, ways for recovery, well, sorry, I, had a, I got a counsellor as well, mm. and, yeah, she was basically the best thing that ever happened to me, unbelievable, but... So, hang on, you look at yourself in the mirror, and then, do you go to your mat, like, where, do you, did you ever do a line of coke after that morning? No, so I'll be, <gasps> yeah, 10, 10 months sober now next week, or so clean, or whatever you want to call you it. You literally just... It's just completely like that. That's why even my counselor can't believe it. She's like, you never done a meeting. you never done 12 steps. Like, how did you do it? But yeah. I'd be always sort of someone that look for something that walk my way. Because I remember looking at a lot of stuff and it's like, you have to put everything into a higher power and stuff like that. And I, I won't be really religious. So I was like, look, I have to find my own way here. Yeah. So I basically for, so when I first got sober, for the first six weeks, like I was going through bad withdrawals, like a, like I was still, so I was still seeing and hearing things when I was six months clean. So I thought, geez, I'm fucked. Like something's after going wrong in my mm. brain. But eventually I went away and I just had muscle spasms. I was hungry then I wasn't hungry. I could sleep and I couldn't sleep. Now I was just going through a lot of things. Like the hallucinations were absolutely horrible. But um, after I got through the withdrawals and my ma basically forced me to leave the house because I was terrified to leave the house. Mm. So I start going to the gym every day. Uh, I'd get up at 6 in the morning and I'd go to bed at 9 o'clock at night and I'd done that 6 days a week for 5 months and I just literally just completely just a complete 180 I was basically I was living like a monk and a navy seal at the same yeah. time but that's not um, that's not something that you can keep going as well like I I went 
from one extreme to the other but it, it did it works for me you know like I was just yeah. very very strict and very very disciplined with myself like I, it just the gym was a major turning factor and then obviously I was like well, what other things can I do and then I found sea swimming yeah and stuff like that you okay yeah I'm, I don't know what not to do and give us that tissue yeah there you go day, yeah, I know, it's mad um Jesus, now what's it doing? <laughs> just at me, dear. Sorry, distracted. You're alright. But the gym would have been a major, major part. And then once I started, like, like, so I shot up weight very quickly because I was just completely abusing my body. So it didn't yeah. take long. And as soon as I could see myself, like, putting a bit of weight on, then I'm looking a bit better. And then I sort of got addicted to improving myself. Yeah. And so, so far now, for 10 months every day, like, just everything, like, so good happening to me. Like, and I'm a big uh, believer in the law of attraction. Like, if you are positive, positive things are going to happen to you. Yeah. Bad things are going to happen to you as well. But you, can, you can't control that, but you can control how you react to that. And that's just the way I just live my life now. And Tell me about the counsellor. Like, where did you find her? What, do you, what did you just sit with her? So, and talk I, to her I forced. Uh, Got a counsellor, my family got her, um, I won't say any yeah, names, but they uh, they sort of gave up on me. So I was going to face-to-face meetings, and they knew the story, but, so they'd say, like, right, I was doing one meeting a week, to be like, right, meet us at nine o'clock in the morning, and I'd miss a meeting or two, of course, I'm having fucking up all night, like, mm. you know? And then after, I'd done that, like, twice, and then they literally blocked my number, like, and I can remember even texting saying, here, we need to go to rehab, please, can you help me? Yeah. And nothing. Nothing. And then um, my mum, after that, so that, I, I first got on, that was, uh, I'm not really sure when that was, but March last year is when I got my new counsellor, mm. uh, Jenny, they're from KCPP in Kilbarrick, mm. but uh, Catherine Darling, her name is, she works there, and she'll be a family friend, and my ma got her around to my house to have a, a look at me, and I was out of my head when she came to talk to me. Mm. So like that, I got in. I don't know if you have to pay for these things, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I got in. I yeah. got in quick. And so literally, it's just on the phone once a week. But hell, like just like talking helps so much. Like and just like just people out there that there's. So I don't know if it's just like if it's a male thing. Like I can't show me feelings. I can't show me emotions. But the best thing I ever done was just talked about it. Especially with someone like you think people can't understand where you're coming from, like these counselors and all, like they have heard everything, mm. you know. But that was a uh, yeah, I, I owe a lot to uh, Jenny and Catherine, I really, really do. And my ma, my ma, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, it's the same thing as well. I was supposed to go to rehab, but all this coronavirus happened. And then when I finally, I finally did get a bed, but I was two months sober by the time I got a bed, and I said, you know what, I'm weak. Actually, this is the longest I've ever managed to stay off. I think I'll keep going. And yeah, lucky for me, it worked. Because like, I, I only, in the four years, I managed to stay off at six weeks right. on two different occasions. And then, so two months was a, a big deal. So I just said, right, you know what? I'm going to give the rehab. The rehab was for a year. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to give the, the rehab a miss to see how it goes. A year? Yeah. It's a long time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, down on a farm in Carlo. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and I looked her up like uh, I would have been sure in the room with six other fellas and all. Like, and like I, I don't know, I don't know. I, I don't think it would have been for me. Like, I know it would have worked, like, because mm. you would have been, you're basically detox, like, you can't go near it. But mm. yeah, I'm just so happy that I was able to do it myself, you know. Well, I, to say myself, I had a lot of help. But. And the thing is, is like, because I asked you in, on, in the car on the way up um, about you're not 12 stepping around like that. But when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to Quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Some people don't have your strength. They don't. So they, they that what you did mightn't be for everyone. I, I wouldn't tell anybody not to do meetings, not to do 12 steps. Try everything and find what works for you. Like, the only reason I didn't really go to meetings and all is because I moved to Sweden. Mm. So I couldn't, I couldn't do meetings or stuff like that. But like... Now that I'm home, like I was planning on going to meetings and all, like you have to, like this is an, an everyday thing for the rest of my life. I know that, even though I feel like I will never use again, I cannot take my eyes off the prize for one second, you know. But for anyone that is, like, try everything. Go to AA, CA, NA, 12 Steps, Cognitive Behaviour Therapy, Smart Recovery. Try everything and you will find something that works for you, you know. But, like I wouldn't advise anybody to, like, do what I done. Like, I think what I done was, like, I don't know. It's just, it, it worked for me, though. It worked mm. for me, but I wanted to advise people to, you know. And come here then. So you get the call to go to Sweden. What is your mindset like? What's this, the uh, so I went to Denmark first. You were talking about going to Sweden. Yeah. So going to Sweden, you can imagine me family, family mm. worrying them. So I sort of knew I'd, I'd be all right. It's because like, when I relapsed, like, I'd be off it for, like, three days, then I'd relapse. But each time I learned, right, so I was like, right, I can't go drinking with my mates anymore. I can't be in this environment. Like, so I sort, of, I sort of learned. And because, like, I'd have friends that are over in Sweden, and, like, I just know you have to surround yourself with the right people. It's all about who you surround yourself with. So my, one of my best mates is over there. He's like, here, all you do is you're up at six in the morning, you, fin- you finish work at seven, we go to the gym, you go home, make your dinner, make your lunch, get a shower, go to bed. 
Mm. So that's that's all I done. But like there is people over there, like because you're living in an apartment block, and there is there's lads doing drugs, there's lads drinking, and it's just you just stay away from that. But like, so I went over there when I was five months sober. Uh, I wouldn't advise anyone if like because I can remember when I was two weeks sober and I went out into town. I wasn't I wasn't drinking or anything, and I was with my friends, and they were all drinking, and I was out for half an hour, and I said, "Right, I'm going to the toilet," and I had to get in a taxi, and I just had to get out of there, you know. So like. Yeah, Sweden was huge. Like, what a just a big mental stepping stone to know that we can go abroad and I'm all right. And it's not like I, I could have done drugs over there. I could have done anything, and nobody would have found out about it. So, yeah, it was absolutely huge. Like huge. Like that was the yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I have to say. Yeah. So you said there because I look at your your Instagram and I'm like mad bastard. <laughs> um, I look. You said you start to see swim. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people. A lot of communities now are sea swimming. Um, I don't do it myself, but yeah, I know a lot of people <laughs> yeah, do do yeah. it. But that developed into something more. Oh, it's crazy. Felt like ringing me counts down going, I can't get enough of these high tides. Yeah. I'm strung out on the current. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, um, like, it's just the benefits it has for you mentally and physically. Like, we have so many problems with me back and my shoulders now. Because like, like, when, when I used to do a uh, coke, like, I just do it in my bedroom. And I'd lie there for like three hours, four, like ever see, let's say you're sitting down and you have like a pain in your back, you mm-hmm. move, mm-hmm. I'd be just frozen in paranoia and I would stay in that position for like three or four hours so I just have a lot of, just a lot of muscle soreness all over my body and like just down the sea swimming, it clears it all up and like the cold water, nobody wants to get into that cold water like, mm-hmm. so when you do get in, it's just like a big mental win like that you're after doing something like, and I'd be someone, I'm 100 miles an hour. Like, I, like even on my week off from Sweden, I'm doing more on my week off than I'd do on my three weeks in Sweden. So when I just get in there and I get out, it's just, I'm just calm, I'm at peace, nothing else matters. It's just, you can't think of anything else. It's just, uh, uh, I'm just so grateful. Like, one of the lads, Yon's mind, I've met at James Shane Ryan, he brought me to, uh, it was a Wim Hof Method workshop. Uh, I'm not sure your man's name, Noel, and know his name is. And I felt, as soon as I done it, I fell in love with it. But then this is when I think the, the pandemic and the lockdown happened. And as soon as that happened, I relapsed straight away. Like, and so I sort of stopped doing it. But, mm-hmm. but like, even when like I sat there for them first five months that I got sober, like, I did not have one warm shower for five months. Like, not one freezing cold showers. And then from going to Sweden, then minus 27 degrees, dipping in that and all. So it honestly is like, that's my new football, is going mm. out down the sea swim. Finding your community so again. Everybody, and that's the main part of it as well, the community. Like, I, I can remember just going down there, like, sitting on my own, just looking at everyone doing it, because I'd be a real social person, but, like, for the first few months coming out, like, uh, out of addiction, I'm, start, I'm all over the place. Like, I'm still, like, I'm still learning a lot about myself. Like, I looked at a film when I was over in Sweden the other day, and there's, like, uh, there's a sad part in the film and mm. I started crying and I was like, mm. what the fuck is going on? What are you crying for? Mm. Like, so it's like I'm feeling loads of emotions that I just completely cut off for four years that I was just, I was just a zombie, you know? So, but the community, everyone's so nice, like, and all, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's unbelievable, I have to say, I absolutely love it. So yeah, I think you're dead, right? I never really thought of it that much as well. Mm. The community yeah, is a huge part because I used mm. to love all my football team and meeting everyone. So yeah, community, basically, 
That's it. That, that is what you are looking for. So I, I don't know whether it is the, sw- the swims, but it's your community there that you, have, that you have back again. Do you know even I mean? in Sweden, like I, I was trying to get all the lads like, don't yeah. go, stop going on the drink and all, and I'd be bringing them all for their four dips and all, and mm. every single person loves it, won't you? They, you cannot like not love it because it just releases all your endorphins in your body, so it's impossible not to like it. So tell me about the moment of. Do you cut the ice, or is the ice cut that you stepping into that water? Get talk to me about so this. So when I, when I moved to Sweden, it was uh, there was still the sea and all wasn't frozen yet, right? And so we're still able to go for dips and all. And then the next road, so got home, next rotation, everything was frozen. So I was like a lunatic. I was like I was like a stalker. I was going into shops asking people behind tails. I was like, where can I go for the dip? <laughs> The main, the main place over there uh, is Lulia Hockey Team. That's their gods. Yeah. I was onto their Instagram page. Where can I go for dips? And then some uh, fella, Stefan, his name is, I don't even know him. Mm. He got on to me, sent me locations that he has always held. So thank God for him. So we'd literally go out. They're man-made. But like, as soon as you take the lid off, you'd literally have to get a branch and smash the hole because it's completely frozen over. But uh, at the start, we were going to some, uh, it was like a big lake, but it had rapids. So that's how it wasn't frozen. Right, okay. And I'm walking out onto this, my feet falling through the ice. Like, it's the dog. Like, blessed I didn't die. It's yeah. the dodgiest thing ever. Yeah. And even the lads over there, like, lads that didn't know me, are like, what is this fucking lunatic down? But I had to do it. But thank God then we ended up finding a little ice hole. So it was a lot safer. But we won the lads one of the days. I brought him. I think this was this was a second dip. He got frostbite on the tips of his finger. I, no, I, like, I can totally get that because I'm looking at you going, what is he doing? The mud, like it's yeah. mad. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's like you're supposed to, as soon as you do it, you're supposed to get warm straight yeah, away. Yeah. But sure, we had to walk through three foot of snow for 15 minutes to get back to a van. And I just remember all of us in the van and every single one was like, oh. And he had to go to the north the next day, he got frosted with his fingertips. <laughs> And you're endorsing this. You're telling him this is what you do to yeah, save yourself. Yeah, but he yourself. loves it. He loves it. He went home then and bought water, gloves oh, and really? water shows. <laughs> He's more prepared now. And anyway. So what was it like then leaving that safe place of Sweden and coming back home? Was that hard for you? No, not really. Like the, the main reason I went over there, I just went over for the experience and I wanted to get a bit, I wanted to get my teeth on. <laughs> There's a lot of people commenting on your teeth, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was the main reason I went over. And I, I just like... Like the likes of them jobs abroad, if you want to go over and you just want to put your head down, you want to just go to work and make money, that's fair enough. But they're, they're, it's no life. Like you're working six days a week, 11 hours a day. So if you want to go over there and make money, that's fine. But money means absolutely nothing to me. Like I went so long without it, it just means nothing to me. So I just felt like I was over there, I'd done what I needed to do. So I was like, well, I'm going to come home now because like since I went viral on the internet and stuff like that, like a lot of people getting on to me wanting to meet me. So like, a lot of like opportunities so I was like right I'll come home set me a little life up now this and that and then yeah home for two days get a phone call do you want to come to Paris for two months so yeah I'm going to Paris now on Friday so it's crazy I'll be mad to t- even though I, like, I, want, I want to be at home I really do like I miss my family miss my friends but it was crazy to be torn down an opportunity like that you know do you think you'll ever settle here? Hundred percent, yeah. Really? I, I want to settle here. I, I love Ireland, yeah. Mm. But I, I just don't know. Like I am, like I'm not really someone who plans ahead. Like even when I make them videos on the internet, I just I set a camera up and I just just talk. So I just that's the way I walk with life now. I just go with the flow, trying not to think about it, and whatever happens, happens. Just mm. just roll with it, you know. But now I love to like settle in Ireland, you know, definitely. And you know, uh, just you said at the start, and you could tell me now you don't want to talk about it, but like the person you let go. Do you, 
think of, like do you think of them or do you think of that relationship? What do you mean the people let go? The girl you let go. No, not not anymore. Uh, really, like at the start, uh, uh, look, I was devastated at the start, especially like because like I I, I I wanted her back because like I was doing coke and I wasn't doing coke and I wanted her back, but now like I, like obviously I don't talk to her anymore. But like mm. the main, just once she's happy, I'm happy. That's like it's in the past. Just like sometimes you're better off just letting things go, you know. But just once she's happy, I'm absolutely delighted for her. There's no hard feelings and nothing like that at all, you know. And are you looking? Are you look? Are you, are you consciously looking for a relationship now? No, yeah, not not consciously looking for one, but just whatever happens, happens. Honestly, mm. I, I won't like. I remember saying to myself, I'll never get into a relationship again. Just not because of the bad experiences. Just like I was like, I, I just don't want to hurt anyone because I know I broke that pole. Like I broke her heart. I know I did, and I don't. I just don't really want to hurt anyone. And then for a good while, it's like I don't deserve anyone. I really don't. But like. Now that I'm grown every day and I do, I feel, I feel absolutely fantastic. Everything is just, every day I'm getting better every day, but I'm not sort of looking for it, but if it comes my way, I will definitely welcome it, mm. <laughs> you know? And do you honestly think that you deserve happiness? And yeah, deserve? I think everybody does. Mm. Everybody definitely does. Like, Don't mind everybody, do you think you oh do? Yeah, I definitely do. Definitely. Like, oh, like... Like, I don't know what happens you die or like, when you die or whatever. I just know you have this life now, so everybody should just have the best one. Like, everybody deserves a happy life. They, like, they, they really do. Like, the world is absolutely a crazy place. Like, and especially what's happened going on the last few years with coronavirus and lockdowns. Like, like, the amount of stress and, like, I can only imagine the suicides, the homelessness, people suffering with their mental health. Like, I'd say it's absolutely, like, I don't know the statistics, but I'd say it's absolutely true to the roof and... I don't know, it's just like we're in a place now where like everybody, we all need each other. Like like when when I went viral on Twitter, like the amount of support I was getting out there was there was a few nasty comments, but I love that as well, you know what I mean? I in what what way? What kind kind of comments are you getting? Well like the good comments, like I remember like one that sticks out in particular, like there was some girl and so I had ups and I said like I could feel my life slipping away from me and I was gonna die and she said about her cousin uh died and she can remember he was saying the exact same thing to her, saying like you can feel his life slipping away, he's gonna die and then he died a week later. So just stuff like that. Like a lot of people just like telling me their problems and all and then like there was one, like some fella, uh, I don't even know if it was a fella, it was a fake page, he just texted me going, I wish you would have done it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, yeah. I just laughed at that. I was yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like just stuff like that. And then I remember some fella left a comment because uh, I think the lad boy will share me picture and right. people are saying, well done. And some fella left a comment, oh, this is the world we live in now. We're praising junkies. And I went on to your man's page. He didn't have it on private. And this fella was a small claim solicitor. And he had the address up of his job. So I straight away got the address of his job, left a comment saying, this is where Mark walks, if anybody wants to get on to oh, him. Oh, you didn't? Yeah, straight away, yeah. Look, I was, I was, uh, I was in uh, <laughs> isolation with coronavirus. I had time to oh, do all this. God. So I just put his addre- the address of his job up saying, if anyone wants to get on to Mark, if they have any back problems or not, get on to him. God, just delete this comment in seconds. But I, I love that, yeah. <laughs> wow, God, because... <laughs> People are st- like people make especially that junkie word, and we know I know I now yeah, never to it. use that word, um, and that word was thrown around and is continues to be thrown around by so many people, yeah. um, and it's only through this podcast, and I think it was at step with Ruth Ann, um, with Ruth I call her Ruth Ann, Ruth, Ruth that it was she explained to me she was like Rebecca that's just a horrible word don't it use it. it like you know so, and I think people have, can say things that just 
to maybe show off on the gram or to hide on the gram that no one can see him, but you called him out. I called everybody out. Like, I went through it. Oh, my like, God. I was off work for two weeks. Like, I had time. Like, oh so me and my friends were attacking everyone and all that. I, I loved it. Like, like <laughs> I, I have, like, I'd have very tough skin. For another person like that, it'd probably, like, hurt them a lot. Yeah. But, like, some of the comments were hilarious. Like, I kept... The most comment that I kept getting was the Green Goblin and a Spider-Man saying I look like him. Right, and when, okay. I was, when I was 14, my mate used to call me a man's oh, name. Really? So I was like, I don't believe this. I actually do look like him. And then just all, uh, oh, well done. Took the guy eight months to get a haircut and a beard trim. Right, okay. was all, but I was just laughing at all of it. Like, I don't know these people. I'm not going to take what they're saying into heart. Why would I? Like, yeah. my ma... Yeah, my family and my friends, they're the only people's opinions I care about. Like, I do not... Why would I care about anyone else's? Unless it's positive, I don't want to hear it, you know what I mean? So that picture, do you carry it with you or do you ignore it? The before picture, uh, like, like, that was such a big thing, putting that up, like, it really, like, it really, really was. And, like, I wouldn't be someone that cares what people think of me, but it was, it was a, ter- it was a terrifying moment, like, and even the last while now, I'm after sticking up, like, I was finding videos on my phone when I was in the height of my addiction, like, me, at just me, most vulnerable, and I would be sticking them up, and even I'm just like, but just because of when I first went viral, the amount of people that reached out to me and all, and I just feel like, I feel like I have to now, just like, not that, like, like all, me helping people is also helping me, you know? But, like, I have this stuff here, and it's just, just showing people, look, this is me at my worst, and you can, like, and this is me now, you know, I'm doing absolutely great. So, like, I sort of feel a blush, like, just... Feel responsible. Yeah, sort of responsible. Be I careful know, with that. Yeah, 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 no, I understand, because, like, there was, a, there was a stage where it was, I wouldn't say depressed, but I got very upset when I was in uh, Sweden. Um, I was getting so many, like, bombarded with messages, and it was just people telling me their problems and this and that. And, like, I'm only, like, I'm not even a year, like, clean mm. or sober. So, it, it did get me down big time, and, like... I thought it was like, so what I do, I have a, an app, a, a sober app, and I have to journal every night, so I journal every single night, how my day went, if I had a bad day, why did I have a bad day, what could I do to make that day better, stuff like that, so I did put it down to, like, I just got so many negative, like, not even negative messages, people telling me their problems, and I, like, I, I do want to help people, and I will give people advice as much as I can, but it was just a lot to take in at one, you know, especially only, like, newly sober myself, so... Mm. So I sort of really do just have to like just worry about number one at the minute, you know. But I'd still always like like I want to make a living now helping people, you know. So mm. I I don't I don't mind, but it was a lot to take in at once, you know. It's hard because people say to me like, "How do you sit and listen to those stories? How does it affect you?" And I was like, "It doesn't." And then before Christmas, I realized like I was eating the podcast. So you'd leave and I'd eat three of them, and then I was like, "Why am I eating so much?" And it was literally because I was eating the podcast. Like, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was like, "Where, where?" I was like, "Why am I putting on so much weight?" And, and Paul said to me, <laughs> "Are you for real?" He was like, "Have you seen what?" You? And I was like, "Yeah, I, I was eating it, but you have to distance yourself because otherwise it'll be detrimental to you." Yeah, of course, of course. Like that's like I, I, I'd be on the phone to these people that I don't know for like thirty minutes, mm. and I'm just like. Like, man, I have a life to live as well. I don't mind giving you a hand, but, like, yeah, it is. You do, you do have to worry about it. So, see, I'm so new to it. And because I never went to yeah. meetings or anything like that, like, 
Mm-hmm. I, 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 it's only because through contacting people on Instagram, like they be getting on to me saying, "Here, look, you, you're lonely. You're not even a year sober. You have to just be concerned for yourself. Yeah. Don't be worrying about anyone else. You have to be selfish in that sort of way." You know. Yeah, because when I think when people talk about twelve steps, they're really educated in them. Yeah. And then that's how they can, you know, support others in what they do. Not they could say, "Look." have a read of this or have a read of that or have a look look up number one go back like I know the guys like well I did three last night I read three again I go through three again and I don't know what they're talking about but they obviously know what they're talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. you know what I mean yeah. so like and they can say well if you're struggling if you've been through it go back to this and take back this look back at this whereas at the moment you just do need to look after yourself yeah 100% and I know see it's lucky for me that I was just like was so busy like when you like give up anything like you have to replace it with something lucky for me I was going to work going to the gym, podcasts, cycling, sea swimming, like I literally just don't give myself a minute. Still to this day now, like I'm trying to learn how to relax, I just, I can't, uh, I just can't relax. It actually, it actually is a problem that mm. I have, like I cannot calm down at all. So, lucky for me in a way though, because it worked for me, yeah. but the guy still know, like I'm in this for the long run, there is now taking the eyes off the prize, you know, but you said earlier on about distance yourself and I think Carl said the same and quite a few people say, you know, You'll always find someone to have a bag with. You'll always find someone to, ah, to have easy. a drink with. So right now, who are you surrounding yourself with? Uh, well, at the minute now, it's just literally me, ma, and one, one other friend. That mm. is it, just because I'm having walking abroad. But mm. there is other people that are after getting in contact with me through Instagram that mm. want to meet up and all. And like, oh, check their Instagram out. Like, this fella runs ultra marathons. This fella's mm. only after getting back from climbing Mount Everest. Of course, we'll meet with them. Yeah. Like, if it's some fella and his picture is him with a bleeding point of Guinness or something, mm. like, yeah, look, pal, I'm going to give mm. it a miss. But, like, literally, I, I, I had friends, people that were my friends since were five years of age, and they weren't good for me. And it is a hard thing to do to cut them people out, but you have to do, like, what's best for you. Like, like even one of the lads that I used to get, like, I used to get my coke off about 10 or 12 different people. Like, and one of these lads, I grew up with him, went to school with him, everything. And I can remember, I'll never forget this, I was in there, I was getting a lot off him at the time, like, a lot. He's probably getting about. 1500 euro a month on me and he would have been a very good friend of mine like a new like 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 i can understand people selling drugs to someone like on a, he's going out on a saturday night but like he was dropping three bags of coke up to someone on a tuesday morning when they're in work like have you not got like a conscience do you know what i mean like, like it is my fault i'm not blaming them but no i know what you mean yeah and like i remember i was in the car when I'm, and the I couldn't believe it and he was saying I forget what the whole idea was but it was because he didn't have enough money or something and he goes this is exactly what he said I'll never get it he goes I need to get a few more junkies like you on my payroll and this is someone that would have been a a close friend to me for my whole life and yeah I'll never forget that and I still continued on then after that just like I had no pride in myself no nothing and I still continued on to just keep getting off them like God and the thing is as well that your ma probably knows him and everything like oh, they that. Do, yeah. I mean? They do, yeah. But uh, they know a lot of people that I used to get off. But like, obviously, I didn't say names. Yeah. They don't. They don't know. But yeah. we're all from the one area, you know. That's really sad. It's crazy as well, especially because it was someone that I thought was a good friend. But yeah, his intentions were made clear. It was money, and that was the end of it. You know what I mean? Still see him today? No, I haven't. I haven't actually. I haven't actually seen him in months. Like mm. he lives close by. <laughs> I actually haven't seen him mm. in there. Uh, I don't know what he's doing. I don't care what he's doing, yeah. to be honest. Just look after yourself. And come here, tell me. I know we said this about that we, you're not going to give advice, but 
if someone's struggling, and as I said, with Carl as well, I had an awful lot of mammies reach out and say, and a couple of dads saying, I actually sent my son down to listen to this. Yeah. Like, what would you say? And again, I hate just saying lads, because that's all, that's all I know, like lads, and no, I know there's probably girls, as girls well. yeah, yeah. in a very si- serious situation. Yeah. What would you say to them? So once they don't, the main thing is that they just keep on trying. Like, I tried and I failed, I tried and I failed, but once they just keep on trying, because I know, like... Like, when you're going through addiction, everybody around you is being destroyed by it as well. So it's just as hard as your ma or dad and it is on you. But the main thing is just once they keep on trying, if they keep on trying, well, then they will be it. Like, impossible is nothing to someone that tries. Once they keep on trying, like, they will be there. But, like, be there for, like, I know, like, uh, my family, they, they didn't, they didn't, they sort of gave up, a, sort of gave up a bit of hope, like, uh but they were they were always there for me. But um, because like once they see you not trying, like it does. Like, but once someone keeps on trying, that is the main thing. Once they keep on trying, there's no doubt in my mind they will be addiction. Just get into counselling, go to meetings, just do everything you can, and you will find something that works for you. And just choose life over death. Like, there's a beautiful life out there, and it's for the taking. Go out and fucking get it. Do you mm. know what I mean? Hundred percent. That's the best advice I can give anyone. Just just keep on trying, keep on trying. You know. And you said that you want to go into drug counselling. Yeah. So what my... This is the thought that I had. So because I'm at that walking abroad twice now, the likes of these building sites, uh, they're rampant for mental health and drug use. And there's nobody there to look after these lads. So what I want to try to do is like start up like a new position. What I was thinking is like a counsellor on building sites. Because you think about it, there's lads over there that are 17 years of age, they're getting 700 quid a week, they're living with, they're away from their family, they're living with a lot of Irish lads. They are going to be doing drugs and they are going to be drinking the weekends. And there is nobody over there for them, the likes of them to talk to. So that's what, like, I want to be a drugs counsellor, but I think something like, I think a position like that needs mm-hmm. to be made especially for lads walking abroad. Like, I, I walked in Denmark, and when I was in Denmark, there was a lad that we walked with, and he killed himself when we were over there. He, he hung himself off the stairs, oh and the, wherever he hung himself was snapped, and he landed on his head, and his neck snapped, and lads getting up for a walk the next day found him. And we all had to go to walk still that day, and what they done in memory of him when he died, because he died, they let a fire alarm off in the job. And... That was it. No days off, no nothing like that. They let a fire alarm off. And the lads living with him for the whole year, what does that do to them? Like, it's crazy. It's, it's like, like they have signs up like uh, in these jobs, mental health and all that. I'm telling you now, there is nothing abroad for the likes of like, mental health or addiction. There's absolutely nothing. As much as they try to make it look like there is, there is absolutely no help, nothing. And is there many lads going abroad like for doing work what you were doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Big, big, huge jobs. Like, or- Irish companies are over there. Hired, are there you know? Irish companies? Are yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, huge jobs. So, like, you could have, like, fucking 200 Irish lads over there. Like, Irish, Scottish, English, Romanians, Polish. Loads of lads walking abroad. And it's the same thing. That's, like, they're just walking non-stop. And, like, especially where I was, like, we, we didn't see sunlight when we were over there. We only see sunlight for one day or something like that, our day off, just because it's just a play. It's, it's up at the Arctic Circle. It's a mm. mad place, like... So just lads are just as soon as it hits Friday or Saturday, they're drinking and they're doing drugs and that's all they're doing, like, you know. And if you're not, like, going to the gym or, like, if you don't have a hobby, like, what else are you going to do? Like, that's, that's why they're doing it. And I know lads that went abroad to get away from drinking or doing drugs and mm. times ten when you go away because you're making more money than you've ever made and you've nothing else to do. Like, well, you think you have nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. 
like I went out hunting for ice holes, you know. Mm. But it's just there, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like it's really crazy. So drugs drugs counselor is what are, what the end goal is. Just once once I'd love it, just love a job where I'm one on one with people and I can help try to just change their mindset and mm. talk to them like that. So that'd be my ideal job. Yeah, you should do it. You should do your training and then start reaching out to companies and stuff like that. Um how's your mum? My mum is on top of the world, mm-hmm. loving life. She's a bit upset now. She tries to act like she's not, but she's upset now that I'm moving away on Friday. But yeah, it's only it's only for ten months. It's only for ten months. But my mum is, uh, yeah, she couldn't be happier. My whole family couldn't be happier. Like it's, it's just crazy the the effects that it has around you. Like, like, like I remember, like she was even afraid to like come into my bedroom in case I was dead in my bed. Like, and now it's just like. She's on top of the world. Like I, like I know the stress I put them under. Like I definitely took a few years off that life. Like I know for a fact I did. And yeah, it's just it's unbelievable just seeing how happy she is. She deserves the world. Like you know, she really does. Like my best friends, one of the lads. But yeah, it's just yeah, I'm over the moon just to see. Are you yeah. a baby? Oh, my baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, what a woman though. Yeah, unbelievable. So everything I do, like I when I even got out of addiction, not once did I do it for me. It's just it was awful. It was awful, you know. Good for you. Thanks very much. And on that note, David, good luck in Paris. Thank you. And thanks very much for sitting down with me. No problem. My pleasure. Nice one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.